The Toronto Maple Leafs had a great comeback, or did they? We'll talk about that. Some magic from Steven Stamkos. We have our women's hockey spotlight and a big weekend of NHL action ahead. All that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Friday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everybody who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. It is a Friday. We've got a lot going on. Uh, Happy Friday, Rachel. Happy Friday, indeed. Not such a happy Friday for the Toronto Maple Leafs, however, and their fans. What a frustrating way to lose a hockey game. I, I just cannot even imagine just feeling distressed for 40 minutes of a game because you're getting blown out by the Columbus Blue Jackets and, you know, no shade, but Columbus has not been performing well this season. So if you're the Leafs and you see, uh, you know, you get five goals up and then somehow miraculously you have the third period to end all third periods, come back, tie it up. Then like, just the roller coaster of then losing in overtime. Oh my God. I just can't, I cannot even imagine. I, I mean, can you take some solace in that we, we at least got a point out of this or is just the roller coaster ride so difficult that Leafs fans are just shaking their heads? Yeah. I think that, you know, you, you, you sort of have to say that's so Leafs, but then also, um, yeah, there is a lot of good you can take away from it with that comeback in in the third period. And I think that, you know, as the players for the Leafs, that's just what they have to do is carry that with them, that they can come back in these circumstances. They shouldn't get in those circumstances in the first place. But uh, I think that it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword in this one. Yeah, no no question about it. But uh, yes, the Leafs do get a point, but Columbus with a big emotional win uh, in a game that, you know, they feel they should have probably won in regulation. How about Steven Stamkos and the Tampa Bay Lightning? A four-goal night for Stamkos and uh, just an impressive performance by him. Yeah, I think... You know, Steven Stamkos, partially, I think, because of his injuries that he's had over the past couple of years, uh, but just also because the Tampa Bay Lightning got off to a little bit of a slow start this season. Um, I, I think as far as the elite players in the league, Stamkos, like his story has kind of been buried a little bit in the national hockey media or like the North American hockey media. 
And so he's just sort of been been sitting there. And then to have a game like this, it's like, of course, Steven Stamkos could have a four goal game. Like, we all know he's capable of it. Uh, it's just been kind of like this uh, this thing in the background this season. Yeah, well, he was back in the spotlight last night, and that was a good thing. A four-goal effort, which ties the Lightning one, you know, single-game record. And, uh, you know, just uh, a big performance. And hopefully for Stamkos and the Bolts, uh, you know, if he could stay healthy and get back on track, it would be a big deal for them. And also, uh, you know, a big time right now for Nikita Kucherov, First player in the league to get to 50 points this season. And, you know, who before the season started had Kucherov as the player who would be leading the NHL in points? I I would be shocked if anybody made that prediction. Um, And a really solid balance there with 20 goals and 30 assists. I think that just shows like the level of skill that he has, you know, he's he's an excellent playmaker, but can also pot them when he needs to. And, you know, you look at the overall point leaders, you know, Connor McDavid is up there because he's got 29 assists, but we're used to having him score more, right? So Connor McDavid isn't even in the top 10 in the league in goals scored. With And then you have, you know, Kucherov, in the number three slot only behind Austin Matthews and Brock Besser right now. And it's just a remarkable thing to see how this season has evolved so far. Yeah. It it has played out in a slightly surprising way. You mentioned Brock Besser uh, and the Vancouver Canucks. First of all, uh, you have a big performance by Besser and then a shutout by uh, the Canucks on Roberto Luongo night. How appropriate was that? Yeah, uh, such a great night uh, with Roberto Luongo going into the Canucks ring of honor uh, up in Vancouver and uh, well-deserved first off. And I know, you know, Roberto Luongo is uh, such a tremendous figure in hockey goalie lore uh, with his you know experience around the league and then you know I think that obviously we all know that that Stanley Cup final he had with Vancouver is very fraught uh, in terms of the Canucks lore but he's he was such an integral part of that amazing team that they had and so I think it's a well-deserved honor for him and yeah love to see the Canucks get a shutout on a a night honoring a goalie like Roberto Luongo and and it was really I thought a a great idea for the ceremonial puck drop before the game Luongo's dropping the puck and the two goalies are taking right I I just a nice little touch you know nothing outrageous but but a nice little touch on that one, as awkward as it looked with those big goalie sticks. but Yeah, uh, I always love when they do that on nights like this and just make it a little interesting. And, of course, we also know, like, Roberto Luongo was, like, I think part of the peak hockey Twitter moment uh, back in the day. And it was has just always been such a, a, a looming figure. Like, just do it up for him wherever he goes, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, yeah. And he was so good for so long. I mean, just a, a, as you said, 
very deserving, did a lot for all the teams that he played for. And uh, congratulations to Roberto Luongo for uh, having his night in Vancouver. Well, we have got a lot more to get to on today's show. Uh, coming up, we will be joined by Erica L. Ayala for our bi-weekly women's hockey spotlight. We've got that. Plus, we will preview the weekend's games ahead, all that and more still to come on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets, and with their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting excited for all the fun you'll have. My favorite parts of the Game Time app is that it's great about getting notified about those last-minute flash deals. Plus, you can get that all-important view from your seat. Game Time has deals right up to the start of the event and even up to an hour after it starts. It's the great place to find that last-minute seat. Also, the tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to check through your email. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem with the code LOCKEDONNHL. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And now it is time for our bi-weekly women's hockey spotlight. And that means we bring in Erica L. Ayala. And uh, Erica, busy time right now in women's hockey. Rosters getting set. What are your key observations from the PWHL's final rosters? For sure. So we knew this was coming. We talked last time on the Women's Hockey Spotlight about the Utica Evaluation Camp. Now, there were rosters for those camps so that each team um, knew who was coming from other teams. And it was a chance to make the final roster of of the, the camp you'd been invited to, but also an opportunity maybe to swap out for um, a better fit. And I was talking with a, a good colleague of mine, Angelica Rodriguez. We also saw that some players were able to restructure the terms of their existing contract after the eval camp. So from a um, pro union side of things, uh, I think the, the the CBA kind of doing uh, what it needed to do, the, the evaluation camp actually not officially in the CBA or anything we knew was going to be happening. But I love that players had the opportunity to put their skills on display in a, a competition setting. And then that yielded either longer uh, terms or higher pay for certain athletes, um, Kareen Schroeder uh, being among them. But we also saw some players, um, as I alluded to, find a, a, a fit on a different team. So it's six teams. The The rosters are 26 players and 23 of those players are considered under the standard player agreement. Um, and then there are three players up to three players per team that are considered um, reserve players or reserve player contracts. So they will, we've seen this before in women's hockey, they were called practice players. Um, I, I think a lot of people in the hockey community or even um, 
in men's basketball are familiar with like two-way contracts or kind of a taxi squad that we saw, especially during the COVID years. So it's something along those lines. And what's interesting about these players is that they're not just, although they're held on one team's roster, the working understanding, especially because I believe right now we only have one goalie as a reserve uh, player, but that goalie in particular could be accessible to all six teams. So that's that's a little interesting. Um, But uh, overall, we see that Canada has the most players in the PWHL with a count of 90. Uh, no surprise, I think, to many that the United States right behind that. Uh, but I, I did think that the number, uh, 90 players from Canada, 53 from the United States. So that's interesting. And then we have uh, 14 other nations uh, that are represented uh, the the big ones that we expect Finland, Switzerland, Sweden, but also Hungary, Japan, Germany, Czechia, and Austria. Um, so I think overall, not too many surprises. If anything, I think there are some players that are reserves who maybe we thought it's certainly from a from a talent perspective, could be mainstays on the roster. One person that stands out to me is Claire Thompson. Now, she plays in the Canadian national team system, uh, was, uh, we believe, because this was never officially reported, but my understanding is that she was granted a compassionate circumstance waiver to be in the New York market. And that is because she is in school at NYU um, while continuing her, her um, national team commitments and trying to play in the PWHL, but she is a reserve. She was a camp invite and is now a reserve player for PWHL New York. Alexa Gruschow, also uh, a reserve for PWHL New York. She had been, she played with the Riveters, helped them win, got the only goal in their championship game in the Isabel Cup in 2018, and then decided to, to go over to the PWHPA and had been a mainstay there kind of a a glue player for a lot of those teams. So that's interesting to see. We talked before about players like Madison Packer. She also was granted a compassionate circumstance waiver. She did not get the terms or maybe even the contracts from my understanding that she was hoping for. So she uh, decided to waive her compassionate waiver circumstance, go into the draft as a free agent. She was invited to New York camp, um, and made the roster. So, um, right. you know, overall, I think that I'm, I'm, I like what Ottawa and Montreal have done. I think if you look at their rosters on paper, they really looked at what kind of game they wanted to play. And then regardless of past, um, past experience, uh, current affiliation to a national team or not. I think they really built a great roster uh, for Ottawa. They're going to have Fanny Garat, Gasparics, Emily Clark, Brianne Jenner, Katagina Mrazova, and Michaela Grant-Mentis as a few of their forwards, which just sounds ridiculously insane to me. Uh, only if it were not for what Montreal has, which is Marie-Philippe Poulain, uh, and Sophie Betty and Jillian Dempsey <laughs> all on the same squad. 
Can you talk a little bit about sort of the ratio to draft of drafted players to camp invites? Because it seems like, you know, you look at who got drafted and there's a lot of camp invites that got these final roster spots. Yeah. So I think overall, there are a few different things that play into that. I mean, the draft was, I'm forgetting how many rounds, I want to say four or five rounds, something something along those lines. And so there are a limited amount of, of draft picks that you're going to have. And I did find it interesting that um, the draft picks were kind of used on players, I would say, like even a Natalie Spooner who, um, or a Jocelyn LaRock, who I think a team could have probably easily just signed in, in free agency, but opted to to use a draft pick on those players. Um, so, you know, when we look at how many draft picks versus um, how many people come from camp invites, I think some of it, I, I'm not really sure right now, if I'm, if I'm being honest, how to evaluate that, but just because the draft itself, I think was not um, even with a compassionate circumstance waiver, I, I'm not really sure that every team had the same strategy when it came to the draft. So that's number one, but also Fair. when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to camp invites, um, you know, I think Boston um, did stuck pretty much to their, their uh, players that they drafted. I mean, if you look at the front end, Gigi Marvin, <laughs> who is a name that, you know, a lot of people will probably know, but she is one of the players that comes in as a camp invite. She hadn't played competitive hockey in a really long time, comes in as a camp invite along with Taylor Wenskowski. But for the most part, Boston has a, a roster where they uh, they are pretty much operating through the draft. Now, it's a little bit different with Minnesota, and it's fair to say also with Minnesota that they've had some injuries. So Sydney Brote, uh, excuse, excuse me, uh, yeah, Sydney Brote, one of those players that has been injured. I mentioned Madison Packer. She's been injured as well. So some of that also affected whether we saw draft picks versus camp invites. And then I think also the reserve player, um, and just knowing that there are also people that have withdrawn their name for one reason or another. We talked about Soroya Tinker. I mentioned Claire Thompson is still going to be a reserve player, but will not necessarily have the, the time commitment in theory that some of the other players have. And I, I think we've also seen that some players that have been drafted, even um, that have been signed, have had to make different arrangements. So um, it, it's hard to... to say right now what the weight of that is because so many of these players, whether they were drafted or signed in free agency or invited to camp, they have championships. They have national team experience. It's really just a matter of what was the right fit at the right time, knowing that this was a short runway for the PWHL. We, we are getting very close to the start of play for this league. What still has to happen between now and puck drop, which is just a few weeks away. Great question. We know that the schedule is officially released. We've talked about that a little bit before. The, the venues are all secured for the most part. Season tickets, places like Toronto have been selling out. Um, so that's great to see. What we don't know is if you're not at the game, how can you watch the game? And that is something that we've been promised will be coming. I know that there is a goal to have these on broadcast TV. However, the very next comment from Stan Caston after that was, 
but at a minimum, they will be streamed. If I were a betting woman, which I am not, but if, if FanDuel had a, a betting line on that, I would probably say that they're going to be closer on the streaming side, especially for puck drop January 1. Maybe they have a, a, a one-time uh, deal that they can do with an NHL network or likely with a, a Canadian outlet, but I think the majority of the games we'll see will be available through some kind of streaming service. We've seen it all. We've seen Twitch. We've seen YouTube. We've even seen, I think at one time, it was ABC News streaming an Isabel Cup final. So we've seen a lot of different iterations in women's hockey. So that's the top of the list. Also, what is the uh, merchandise and and things that fans are going to be wearing to games? We know that they've opted not to do individual logos, but I'm sure people still want to spend their money. This is a historic time in women's hockey. We saw fans get very creative with how they wanted to represent the team that they're going to um, be rooting for when they had the fan fest in Utica. But I think there also are some things on the back end that as a member of the Professional Hockey Writers Association and heading the women's hockey chapter, we're also looking for that continuity when it comes to things that are available for media, making sure we have game notes and projected lines and that we have reliable statistics. Unfortunately, We've already seen that the stats, um, people on social media seeing clips have noted that an assist was given to a player that never touched the puck. So these are things that are still part of the growing pains, unfortunately, of women's hockey, but hopefully that the PWHL can uh, shore up, if not by the time the puck drops, shortly into their inaugural season. And uh, finally, today, the rivalry series between USA and Canada is just chugging along in the background of all this. We saw an (laughs) overtime winner from Hillary Knight in one of those games. Uh, Where are we at in the rivalry series overall? Well, I mean, much I'm sure to the disappointment of uh, Canadian fans, USA has been dominating the rivalry series, which, you know, we, we tend to see that one team will dominate one part of the leg and then it, evens itself out. We've also seen Canada struggle a little bit early on in in the rivalry series and and then come back and get some wins. But right now it's looking really good for the United States. I do think it's fair to say that after Beijing, they made some changes, particularly to their coaching staff. Uh, They've started practicing special teams for tournaments. Shocker. Um, I know, like special teams are important in short-term high stakes tournaments who knew um but uh and Aaron Frankel I know we've talked about Aaron Frankel a time or two Rachel but she's been getting a a lot more playing time with the United States and I think that it's been it's been a given that the U.S. would dominate offensively and if we're being honest I think defense and and goaltending sometimes fell into place second and third which is so funny to say when you're playing a team like Team Canada, and again, the aforementioned Marie-Philippe Boulin, Sarah Nurse, Brienne Jenner. Um, but I think they've relied a lot on kind of their American-style, just uh, kind of uh, physical game a lot, where this team seems a little bit more focused in all three zones. I've mentioned before Hillary Knight, who got the OT game winner 
I see her making plays in open ice. You know, you can't do open ice hits in, in women's hockey at the IHF level, but making things more difficult for the opposition, finding ways to, to win back pucks for her team. So, you know, she's such a, a player that goes north, is just kind of driving and crashing to the net, uh, thought of as a goal scorer first. But she has really committed in other areas and so has Marie-Philippe Poulin. And I think some of that is also opening up space for some younger talent to, to come in and to kind of be the showstoppers. But I love that you're still almost always guaranteed, if not both, that either one uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin or Hillary Knight will score in a rivalry series. <laughs> That is true. And uh, you can see Aaron Frankel, who you mentioned, and Hillary Knight on Boston in the PWHL coming up. So that should be fun. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's another great thing. Just seeing that teammates uh, are now foes when it comes to the national team. Always love that in, in tournaments like that. So uh, a little extra twist for some players and fans there. Erica, thank you so much. We're looking forward to having you back in two weeks when we will be right up against the start of the first season of the PWHL. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you both, and we'll chat soon. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet that wins. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And you could bet on things, not just the NFL. You got the college bowl season coming up college basketball, the NBA, and you could even use your knowledge of the NHL and your favorite NHL team on FanDuel. Just check out all the latest odds and player props. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Rachel, we have a busy weekend of NHL action ahead and a lot of games tonight. Uh, which game catches your eye the most? Um, I got to look at that Preds-Canes matchup because the Preds have been, you know, playing, I think, better than expected overall this season. And they have such similar records right now with Carolina struggling a little bit that like, and this is a good Southern tier rivalry uh, possibility here. So I think this should be a fun one. Definitely should be an interesting game to watch. How about Boston and the New York Islanders? Well, you can speak to what's going on with the Islanders and why they keep winning and annoying me. But um, I think that the only team more annoying to me right now is the Boston Bruins. So uh, have at them. 
late game Buffalo in Vegas to take on the defending Stanley Cup champion Golden Knights. And, you know, can Buffalo get the ship righted? What is going on with the Sabres this year? Yeah, I think they're one of the teams where there was uh, pretty high expectations as far as taking that next step forward. And it hasn't completely materialized. And and meanwhile, Vegas continues to steamroll uh, across the league. And so it's it should be an interesting opportunity, I would say, for the Sabres to maybe, you know, surprise a lot of people. 13 games on the schedule on Saturday, but only one matinee, Vancouver in Minnesota. And the Wild have been doing a little bit better since their coaching change. Yeah, I think it's a good sign for them. Of course, we talked about the Canucks coming off that shutout win. And, you know, they cooled off a little bit, but have still been playing generally really well. Uh, So I think this is definitely uh, an interesting matchup in terms of the timing and, and what these teams are looking like right now. The New York Rangers taking on Boston. Boston going with the Islanders and then the Rangers in back-to-back nights. Uh, This is a very good matchup between the two top teams in points right now in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, both teams will be on the back half of a a back-to-back in this one. And I I think this should be a a really physical, tough, uh, but exciting game. How about your Philadelphia Flyers hosting the Detroit Red Wings? Yeah, the Red Wings have fallen off a little bit recently. And of course, we know uh, what happened with Dylan Larkin uh, recently. There's a chance he could be back in the lineup for this game. Uh, but we also have Perron is is in his suspension period right now as well. So uh, Flyers are also playing generally really well at the moment, which I, I still can't believe I'm saying those words, but it's <laughs> happening. And so depending on, you know, how the Red Wings lineup shapes up, I think this could be an interesting game to watch. How about Colorado visiting the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, Colorado, um, you know, the Flyers actually really trounced Colorado recently. So uh, had a chance to see them play. And, you know, they've been having a little bit of mixed results, and uh, but also still overall uh, with a a really solid season so far. The Jets have been, I think, outperforming expectations. And so this should be a really good Western Conference matchup to to get a good level set on where these teams are. Yeah, looking forward to that one. How about Florida and Edmonton, the Oilers, you know, starting to play better hockey. They are now at NHL 500. Yeah, I feel like with the Panthers, they're either really great in that game or just uh, have a dreadful showing. And they're the team that just got shut out by Vancouver. They could be looking to bounce back. Um, And, and, you know, the Oilers are playing a tremendously better style of hockey than they have been. So um, I'm curious to see how both teams uh, match up here. Sunday, five games on the schedule, uh, a six o'clock start in Carolina, the Capitals and the Hurricanes in a Metropolitan Division matchup where both these teams need the points. Yeah, and uh, the Capitals, who I saw face the Flyers uh, last night, I think the thing with them is that they have such a high shooting percentage uh, right now, and I just don't know that that's sustainable. 
And so you look at the rest of their underlying numbers and they're just kind of average. They're not bad, but they're, but they're kind of average. Whereas Carolina has really strong statistical, uh, you know, backbone to them, um, but just haven't been getting the results because of various reasons and injuries and, and all of that. And so like, will the capital shooting percentage finally drop at some point? And is this a good benchmark game to figure that out? Yeah, we shall see uh, how that one plays out. And uh, one more game I wanted to ask you about uh, Ottawa against Vegas. The Senators can't seem to string together consistency right now. Why have they been a disappointment this year? Man, I don't know. They're another team that had some increased expectations going into this season. And right now, uh, if you can believe it, with only an 11 and 13 record thus far, um, I don't think that is fully reflective of um, of where this team is. But also that is the worst record in the Eastern Conference, which yes. is only slightly below 500 which kind of shows you the strength of the Eastern Conference right now, to be honest. So are things as bad as they seem for the Senators? It looks bad because of the overall standings, but, you know, they're they're just below 500 here and things could turn around for them. Yeah, we'll see if they're able to do that. So it should be an entertaining weekend of hockey. I want to thank everyone for making Locked on NHL your first listen every day. Everydayers, we will be back Monday. We're here every day, Monday through Friday, and I'll be interviewing three of our local hosts to talk about some of the biggest stories from around the NHL. I want to thank Erica Eliala for coming by to do our bi-weekly women's hockey spotlight. Rachel, have a great weekend. And uh, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the weekend. Stay safe. And we'll be back Monday with more on the Locked On NHL podcast.